0: We can learn lots of things from life, and that's something that we need to to hold on to and, and remember. Um, Y'all, listen to a comedian by the name of Jean Robertson. She's a uh, Christian comedian, and uh, she ta- she she tells great, great, great stories. And her whole point is, it all comes from real life. And. Uh, I wish I could remember the whole joke, but she tells she calls her her husband "Old Rock ring, because that's the side of the brain that he uses. He's very methodical. He he does all of those things, and so she uh had, she keeps Seven Up pound cake in her freezer at all times. So so when there's a funeral or anything like that, she can pull one out, take it over to someone, and and give it to him as a gift and. She, They had several funerals all in a row, and she went to her freezer one day, and there were none left. And so she had to get some made, but she had some things she needed to get done. And so she gave him this big old list. And so uh, he went to the store, and he was a little upset that he was supposed to go play golf. but she said, no, just go get the list, and you'll have plenty of time to play golf. And she sent him off. And Years later, he comes back, and she can't figure out what's been taking him so long just to go get these few ingredients. I mean, it was just you know, little bitty things, and uh, you know, she had made a list. And so, he starts bringing in this bags and bags of stuff. I mean, he, he only was supposed to go and get enough to make a few pound cakes. This was overkill, and so finally, it starts dawning on her what has happened. When he begins to bring the eight 10-pound sacks of flour in, she has written her list. One, a dozen eggs. Two, vanilla extract. Three, eight was the 10-pound bag of flour. And so he had gone down and bought that number of each of them. And she said, he got about halfway through and She said, but he said, I don't want to hear it. Instead, I got up to the register and I figured out about halfway through what I'd done. But at that point, I wasn't going to put it back. So. <laughs> There's humor in life. There's lessons to learn in life. To learn to have um, lost word again. discernment of, of what is what. I mean, if he would have stopped and read the list through first, he would have realized that it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, rather than one dozen eggs. Eight ten pound bags of flour because he said I, I realized I couldn't understand why he had a dozen eggs with eighty pounds of flour, but uh, that's how it is. Lord, open the door so I can. How many times have we said that? How many times have we prayed that? How many times has that been that the cry of our heart? Um, I know that I have said, and even in the past I've been told to keep walking through a door until God closes. But recently, I have come to the belief that sometimes we're asking the wrong questions, and therefore we're giving the wrong advice. There is this built-in belief that the path of least resistance is the path that God desires. This idea that if it's easy, God wants it for us. And in our text this morning, David is dealing with such a situation. Uh, If you look at the relationship between Saul and David, you see this very uh, soap opera-esque relationship, for lack of a better word. Right? I mean, it's... David absolutely loves Saul. I mean, he's he's his mentor. He ends up being his father-in-law. There is this relationship there. And... He is the one who who David went to when Goliath was there and said, hey, I'll take out Goliath for you. There's this relationship between these two that has become very complicated because when Saul does not listen to what God has said and the kingdom is rent from his hands, David is anointed to take his place. And so here Saul's son-in-law is there Still serving Saul faithfully. Still doing what he's supposed to do. And then Saul gets angry and throws a spear at him. Tries to kill him. David runs away. And this cat and mouse, wily coyote roadrunner chase begins to happen. Right, That's what's going on here. This back and forth. And now David has escaped very narrowly. And he has gone to hide in a cave. And that's where we pick up this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 24. And it says, When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the wilderness near in Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's choice men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. And when Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself. David and his men were staying in the back of the cave. So they said to him, look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, I swear before the Lord, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. With these words, David persuaded his men and he did not let them rise up against Saul. Then Saul left the cave and went on his way. After that, David got up and went out of the cave and called to Saul, My Lord, the King! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed to the ground in homage. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of people who say, look, David intends to harm you? You can see with your own eyes that the Lord handed you over to me today in the cave. Someone advised me to kill you, but I took pity on you and said, I won't lift my hand against my Lord since He is the Lord's anointed. See, my Father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Look and recognize that there is no evil or rebellion in me. I haven't sinned against you, even though you were hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord take vengeance on you for me, But but my hand will never be against you. As the old proverb says, wickedness comes from wicked people. My hand will never be against you. Who has the king of Israel come after? What are you chasing after? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be judge and decide between you and me. May He take notice and plead my case and deliver me from you. When David finished saying these things to him, Saul replied, Is that your voice, David, my son? Then Saul wept aloud. (coughs) And said to David, You are more righteous than I am. For you have done what is good to me, though I have done what is evil to you. You yourself have told me today what good you did for me. When the Lord handed me over to you, you didn't kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him go unharmed? May the Lord repay you with good for what you've done for me today. Now I know for certain you will be king. And the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Therefore, swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David swore to Saul, and Saul went back home. And David and his men went up to the stronghold. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask that you would be with us this morning, Father, that you would make yourself known. Father, use me as a vessel of the words that I speak to yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. we ask all these things in name of your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. This is, to me, one of those great examples of God's sense of humor for one. When you, when you read this story. Um, you know, most of us have been camping. And I mean without a travel trip. Most of us have been camping out in the woods. When you're out in the woods and there's not a restroom, you got to find a restroom. That's what's going on here. When it says Saul went to relieve himself, he went to relieve himself. He went into the cave to have some privacy, to go to the bathroom. Which tells you he wasn't just urinating. Right? That's what's going on here. David is in the, back, back the bathroom, in the bathroom. Hey, he's hidden back there. And all of us men. Quite an audience forgot who wanted to cross. Saul's by himself. What better time to take him out? Seize control of the kingdom. It's good. <coughs> David's men go, I take it. This is it. This is your moment. This is your time. When we read this scripture and I think about this idea of open doors, you know, every open door is an opportunity. Every open door is an opportunity, right? There's an opportunity to do something there. We have that general thought. Open door means opportunity. You can't go into a house or a building or a car. You can't get into a career or anything else without an open door. If the door doesn't open, there's no way you're getting in. Legally. I know some of you are saying I can break it. but so Legally, you have to have an entrance of some sort. There has to be something that is open for you to make it in. So every open door is an opportunity. You have the opportunity to go in. You have the opportunity to stay. You have the opportunity to make a choice. We talked last week that Revelation 3.8 says, To the church of Galilee, I have placed before you an open door that no one can close because you have but little power yet have kept my word and not denied my name. God has given that church an opportunity because they're faithless. So yes, open doors are opportunities, but just because a door is open doesn't mean you should walk through it. The door is open. David has been hunted. I mean, hunted. This isn't a TV show. This was real life. Saul was out to kill this man. He knew at every turn he may have a spear thrown at him again. He's already twice had a spear thrown at at the wall. Nailed him to the wall, took his coat off. I mean, this man knows that he is in trouble. And it's not just anybody looking for it, it's the king. He has all the resources he needs. He has been hunted for seven chapters. David's life has been in danger, and now he's in hiding. He is camped in a cave in the rock of the wild goats. And here comes Saul pursuing with 3,000 of Israel's finest soldiers. David is basically outmanned, outgunned, and he has no way out. He's in a cave. There's no back entrance. There is Saul and 3,000 men in front of him. That's it. That's where he has to go. And, and things are so bad, the future king is living in a cave, hiding out, and then the unthinkable happens. Saul leaves his men outside and goes in to go to the battle. That's unthinkable. The king doesn't do something like that without having the cave checked out first. This is an open door. David has caught Saul literally with his pants down. That's where his habits are. Literally, that's where he's at. And then I'm going, hey, take it. Go, oh, do it! Can you imagine a story in the Bible at that point? You have Ehud, who, you know, the sword, hit, got a little way in his belly. We have all these weird stories. Saul would have been the most disgraced king in Israel if David would have stepped up right then. What a horrible way to die. And they said, get him, get him, get him. His men said, the door is open. This is the opportunity you've been waiting for. Kill Saul. Be done with this. It makes sense. David wouldn't have another opportunity like this. There's no other, there's no way. It's not going to happen again that Saul is going to be by himself, especially after today. Saul never again is going to be by himself because he knows now. He sees what happens. This made sense. He cuts the corner of his robe. And then he begins to feel guilty. He's been hunted for a long time. And he feels guilty because he cut off his robe. Because he cut off a corner of his robe. And his conscience gets the better of him. And he turns to his man and he said, no. The door is open. But it's not a door I need to walk through. So many times, open doors were in front of us. But it doesn't mean we need to walk through it. This means that's the door we need to go to. I remember back, I was a sophomore in high school. Um, freshman, sophomore, that's a long time ago. Um, I was a sophomore in high school, and we had just moved into Azul at that point in the year before. So I'd gone there as a freshman, but I, I hadn't been around much. I went to my classes, and that was it. And so um, back then. I dressed a, a little more country than I do now, um, a lot more country than I do right now. Uh, and I walked into my biology class, it was an honors biology class, in my boots, jeans, shirt, and hat. And I sat there, and the teacher said, I think you're in the wrong class. I think he'd be on the other side. And so I already passed by that class. I'd already seen the open door. but that wasn't the door I was supposed to go in. Often we find ourselves in situations like that where we know the door is open and we could walk in there if we wanted to, but that's not where we're supposed to be. There are times that doors open and we go, oh, maybe, maybe, I could go there, and maybe I I shouldn't. Maybe I should walk through. And then we walk through the wrong door, and we find that our life was falling apart. It's so easy. Because, you know, the door's open. We're supposed to go through it. But we have to ask ourselves a question about an open door and an opportunity in front of us. How does that opportunity, how does that open door line up with the character of God? Can I tell you a secret? The devil can also open doors. There have been times in my life when I've had family and friends who, who come to me and tell me, now I know God wants me to do this because man, every door has opened. Are you sure God's opening those doors? Are you sure that, that's what needs to happen? There is a, an old Turkish proverb that I read this week that says the forest was dying, but the trees kept voting for the axe. Because the axe had convinced him that because his handle was wood, he was one of them. It's an open door that you might not want to go through. Well, when we find ourselves in these situations and we start seeing that a door is open, we have to stop and say, Does this line up with the character of God? Is this what God would want me to do? There have been times in my life when I have been offered jobs that would make great money, but it did not line up with the character of God and what He wanted to do for my life. Have you ever found yourself struggling with this decision that goes, this would make my life so much easier? But if I open that door and I go down that path, it changes fundamentally who I am. I may step on some toes here. Uh, oh, um, Carrie's oh. family and I have had some deep discussions on. Why I won't take part in the practice of bringing my own snacks to the movie theater. But they're ripping me off because of the process of those snacks, okay? But you're ripping them off by not buying the snacks they want you to buy as you go in there because they're not making as much money off that ticket as you think they are. And ask those questions. And I go, it's a door that I could walk through and it would be so much easier on me because let me tell you, a dollar pack of dots is a whole lot easier on me than a five-dollar pack of dots. How many years ago was Breckenridge, Gary? I don't even remember anymore. 2005. 15 years ago. I stood with a door in front of me. I was youth minister slash interim pulpit minister of a church of a different denomination, And the church wanted me to take the full position. It was an hour from seminary. An hour from seminary. So close. Nice parsonage. Big salary. But, the denomination had just taken a stand that said they would accept ministers from other denominations, no questions asked, including those who were homosexual. Harry and I looked at each other and we said, what, what do we do? This door would have kept me from having any more student loans. This door would have made me finish my degree two years faster. This door looked like it was checking off every box there was It was a door that there are parts of me that desperately wanted to walk through it because I loved the people. But I remember climbing up into the pulpit that morning, and that was one pulpit you had to climb into. It was there were steps up into it, and it surrounded you on each side. And so I remember climbing up there. And I remember when I would speak and it was my words, I would cry the whole time. But when I began to read the Word of (coughs) God, things changed. And I resigned that morning and I remember as I walked out the door. Or actually, as they were, I was standing, I was, I was standing at the door, shaking hands. And I had a lady walk up to me and say, I hope you find a good Baptist church. I <laughs> said, <laughs> thank you. That's all I can say. Oh, amen. But that was an open door. And it was an open door that looked so attractive for all those reasons because that's what the devil does the devil opens doors and he says, look over here. Look at all the glitz and all the glamour and everything that I could give you. He even tried it to Jesus. He took Jesus up there and he said, look, all of this I'll give you. All of this I'll let you have. Just follow me. That's what he does. He says, here's this door. It's open. Walk through it. It's easy. It's easy. It'll take care of all your problems. It'll do everything you need it to do. All you have to do is accept it and walk through. All you have to do is do this one little thing. All you have to do is step off into sin one time. Just step off into it to be okay. Just budge it a little bit. Woo. You know, just claim that deduction you're not supposed to claim. Just once. you okay. The difference between... These are real numbers, too. It's the difference between $50 and $500. But sometimes an open door is an opportunity to trust God where you are. You know, the grass always seems greener right on the other side of the fence. The grass in my backyard is always greener than the grass in my front yard. The reason why? My septic tank is putting water on the backyard. (laughs) If the grass is greener, it doesn't mean it's better for you. It might mean there's a lot of opportunity to trust God where you're at and not go somewhere else and not do something else. The door was open for David. He could rid himself of his greatest problem. This open door was an opportunity to know for David also just to trust God where he was at. And so he cut off the cloak. And he went outside and he said, Saul. And then he bowed down with space to what? This guy has 3,000 men who want to kill you. But he trusted God so much that he bowed with his face to the ground and said, My father saw. God gave you to me and I didn't take that opportunity. And God continued to bless David. He continued to give him the things that he needed because David trusted him. Sometimes we have to trust God where we're at. Sometimes we have to trust God in our career where I'm at. Is trusting God with your family. Watch out for the murder warning. Just say there's a little line right there. <laughs> but trust me that I'm watching the murder report, okay? Sometimes you have to trust God where you are. Sometimes there are things going on in your family that you can't do anything about. You wish you could. You wish you could take those people and shake them and slap them around a little bit and say, get your head on straight. Sometimes it's just saying, God, I have to give it to you. It's saying, God, I can't do anything about it. There's nothing I do. Sometimes you have to just trust God with your finances. Ooh, that's a hard one sometimes. Because sometimes, two plus two somehow equals three. When I do premarital counseling, I always tell people that marriage math is funny math because they come to me thinking, well, I make $30,000 a year, and she makes $40,000 a year, so what have $70,000? It doesn't work that way for some reason. $30,000 plus $40,000 in marriage money equals about $25,000. I don't know where the rest of it goes. It just happens that way. But you have to trust God where you are. If we're always looking for the greener pastures, we're like the cow out here on 1189, and I see every time I go to work putting its head through that fence and then can't figure out how to get the horns back through. <laughs> Trying to get that grass over there has put them in a situation he can't get out of without help. So often, we sit there and we go, I'll try just a little bit. And we dip our toe into sin, it's not that bad. So we get a little further, a little further, a little further, and then all of a sudden we're trapped. We can't get out, we don't know what to do because we walk through an open door. You know, the easy path is not always God's path. I would venture to say that the easy path is rarely God's path. When God talked about salvation, or Jesus talked about salvation, he said, um, Well, you know, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the sun has no place to land. So. He said, Narrow is the gate and hard is the road that leads to salvation. He said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus always talked about the hard thing. And the problem is, we do preach a a true message of salvation that says salvation is free to everyone, but sometimes we stop there and we don't talk about the things Jesus talked about. Because if we put up a sign, if our model of our church was Jesus' motto, come and die, people aren't going to come. We don't want to come and die. We want to have things our way and do things our way. But Jesus said, come and die. Follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. No one who puts his hand in the pile looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Enter through the narrow gate. We can't fall into the trap that the past of least resistance is the best way to go. Oftentimes, it's the path of most resistance that God blesses the most. We're, we're leaving today or tomorrow to go to Lake City. I haven't decided which one yet. Terry and I still. Discussing that. Um, the last time we went, Micah was two. Something around there. And we went on a trail. It was supposed to be an easy hiking trail. Um, well, we walked. And then we crossed the river on a wall. And then we got to the trailhead a quarter of a mile later. And then the trailhead just kind of did this. And we just kept walking. And kept walking, and kept walking. And at some point, Maki just went. (laughs) And she wasn't going anywhere else. That was it. We're halfway up the side of the mountain at 9,500 feet. And we've got to carry Maki down the mountain. But... That's a memory we cherish. There was a blessing that came from that. One of the hardest things we ever had to do was carrying that two-year-old back down the mountain. But we were blessed because of that. So often, God gives us a hard path to walk. God never promises the path is easy. Honestly, He usually says the opposite, but sometimes the greatest blessings come after the greatest struggles. Sometimes we know we have arrived when we've put in work, when we've done what God has called us to do. So what do we do with open doors? If not every open door is from God, not every open door should be walked through. What is it that we should be doing? Well, the first thing we do is found kind in of Isaiah 40, 31, where there it says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So the first thing we have to do is we have to wait. The second thing we do, is found kind in of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 20. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. So then we have to test what it is that God has put in front of us and ask does it go against God's character, or does it go with God's character? Because sometimes we can clearly tell. But then the last thing we need to do is find to Romans eight fourteen. I know I never go around this much, but I'm going to anyway. Romans eight fourteen, there where it says, "All those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. We have to follow the Spirit's lead." If there's something inside you going, I don't know about this, it's probably not God wanting you to do that. If there's something going, Go, 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 go. I can get on the news and go around the world in four minutes. Woo! But I don't get much out of it. Because so often we hear a headline, and the headline doesn't say anything like what's really going on. I had that conversation with a friend Walter back there last night. Because so. there's this holiday that's supposed to happen. This Harold this, this tax holiday. But it's a deferral. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm excited. Woo, I paid 12.4%. Hey, I, mm, mm, that's a raise right there. And then I started reading it. And it's a deferral. And Trump later says, I've instructed them to look into ways to forgive what's deferred now. Well, I ain't taking that chance. I don't trust anybody in Washington to get along with each other. So I'm gonna take that chance. I'm gonna stop and say, "Okay, God, I'm just gonna trust you, and I'm gonna do what you want, what I've always done, and I will wait, God, on you to tell me what I need to do. Because if I don't wait, what's gonna happen? You know, we don't know what's gonna happen. God knows what's gonna happen. God knows everything that's going to happen. He's never surprised. I'm always surprised. There are times when I go, ah, ah that nothing surprises me anymore and then somebody does something and I go, oh my goodness. Seriously? When doors are opened, we have to stop and wait and test and wait for God's leading. If we don't, we may go on the wrong path. If we don't, we might find ourselves in a place that we don't want to be in. I remember times when I was a child that I would be very impatient. And I know all children are impatient. But sometimes I could be the most impatient. And I would decide that I was going to try to do it to myself. And I would end up taking a lot longer to get it done and where I would mess it up along the way. I, uh, I've improved some, but I have to ask Carrie. Um, I bought her a trunk this week. But it didn't come assembled. Mm. Um, and I came home on Friday afternoon. She said, you can wait till we get back your vacation, but I'm not a person who wants to wait on those things. And so I sat down and I opened that thing up. And there were these little plastic screw holes that had to be put into these little pre-drilled holes in the wood. And you were supposed to tap them in with a hammer. They didn't fit in the hole. (laughs) You can't tap it in if it doesn't fit in the hole. (laughs) And so I'm sitting here going, I don't even have the tools that I need. And I start beating on that thing. I'm looking it's starting to bend. and I was like, okay. (sighs) pull myself back. I say, use the patience that you've learned and wait on God and say, God, how can I fix this? And he said, you have a drill. Duh. i got a drill. I made the holes a little bit bigger at the top and guess what? They went in. But When I get in a hurry, I mess things up. Maybe this morning, there is a door standing in front of you and you don't know whether or not you should walk through it. It looks tempting. <clears throat> Just wait. Just stop. And ask God, is this the door I need to go through? He'll reveal. He'll tell you. He'll let you know. He'll confirm it somehow. Carrie and I are going on vacation this week. I was not sure we needed to go on vacation. I knew I wanted a vacation. I knew I wanted to go somewhere, but I wasn't sure we needed to go until yesterday. Because I had rented, or I had reserved at a really good price, a truck to get us to Colorado and back because, well, when you go up there in a Dodge Journey and I'm already like a sardine in that can in that little car, and I get up there on that dirt road and it's all Feels like it's gonna fall apart. I was like, let's rent a truck and go on that. So I ran a cheap truck and I was like, we're good. And I walked in over there and I was like, Sigh. and I had to wait. I got there on time and I had to wait. So here's more waiting going on. And I'm going, okay, God, maybe I'm not supposed to go. I got here on time and I'm still having to wait, standing here in this stuffy place. It's 95,000 degrees and I'm wearing a mask and I don't want to be in here anymore. And they get me up to the stage and she goes okay she takes my credit card and i was like well it's too late now i'm looking out there in the parking lot and i can see that ford f-150 out there at the end and i know that's where i'm supposed to be going and so we walk out there and i'm trying to see if carrie's watching me over there in the car so she'll know where i'm at but she wasn't she was oblivious uh, and they walk me by and i'm still watching And she stops and i keep walking and she said sir it's here and i turn around and she's put us in what is it Shallow? What kind, of, what kind is it, did you say? A racing truck. <laughs> I mean, it's like a 2020 Dodge Rebel 1500. I start driving home in that thing, and I thought, I have COVID. I'm not going to get to go, because I'm burning up. Air is on full blast, and I'm sweating, and I can't figure out why. And I get up here to the golf course on the way home, and I look down. It has heated seats. <laughs> and it was on full blast, and I'm sweating going... I can't go. They're going to quarantine me when I get there and this brand new truck is going to sit in my yard all week long. But no, it had not sense. But when they took me out there and showed me that truck, it was one of those things where God just confirmed for me, yes, this is something I want for you this week. I want you to be blessed. I want you to get away. I want you to do this. God will confirm those. God will bless us in ways we never imagined as will way to allow Him to show us. Maybe this morning that door is open and you're wondering to go through, pray over it and ask God. Maybe this morning there is a door that you've already gone through and you're going, I'm going the wrong way. Well, turn around and go back. The door was open. Walk back through it. Open the window. Knock down the wall or just call on Jesus. Because He'll pull you out. Maybe this morning you have some other need. Maybe you want to start missions ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe you want to rededicate your life. Maybe you found yourself on a trail that you didn't mean to be on and now you want to get back right. Now's the time to do it. But Maybe this one you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've never known the one who came and walked this earth and died for your sins. Now would be a great time to know him. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised three hours from now. We're promised this moment right now. You need to know Jesus. Come on the side am of the trial. We know Jesus and we'll go from there. But whatever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. In